welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Friday of the 15th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May the venerable intercession of the glorious Virgin Mary come to our aid, we pray, O Lord, so that fortified by her protection, we may reach the mountain which is Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Hezekiah fell ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said to him, The Lord says this, Put your affairs in order, for you are going to die, you will not live. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and addressed this prayer to the Lord. Ah, Lord, remember, I beg you, how I have behaved faithfully and with sincerity of heart in your presence, and done what is right in your eyes. And Hezekiah shed many tears. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, The Lord, the God of David, your ancestor, says this, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will cure you in three days' time. You shall go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add fifteen years to your life. I will save you from the hands of the king of Assyria. I will protect this city. Bring a fig poultice. Isaiah said, apply it to the ulcer and he will recover. Hezekiah said, what is the sign to tell me that I shall be going up to the temple of the Lord? Here, Isaiah replied, is the sign from the Lord that he will do what he has said. Look, I shall make the shadow cast by the declining sun go back 10 steps on the steps of Ahaz. And the sun went back the 10 steps by which it had declined. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You saved my life, O Lord, I shall not die. You saved my life, O Lord, I shall not die. I said, so I must go away, my life half spent, a sign to the world below for the rest of my years. You saved my life, O Lord, I shall not die. I said, No more shall I see the Lord in the land of the living. No more shall I look upon men within this world. You saved my life, O Lord. I shall not die. 
My home is pulled up and removed, like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, you have rolled up my life. You cut it from the loom. You saved my life, O Lord. I shall not die. For you, Lord, my heart will live. You gave me back my spirit. You cured me, kept me alive, changed my sickness into health. You saved my life, O Lord. I shall not die. Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them, and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took a walk one Sabbath day through the cornfields. His disciples were hungry and began to pick ears of corn and eat them. The Pharisees noticed it and said to him, Look, your disciples are doing something that is forbidden on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his followers were hungry? How he went into the house of God and how they ate the loaves of offering, which neither he nor his followers were allowed to eat, but which were for the priests alone. Or again, have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath day the temple priests break the Sabbath without being blamed for it? Now here, I tell you, is something greater than the temple. And if you had understood the meaning of the words, what I want is mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the blameless. For the Son of Man is Master of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you're going to question Jesus, you better make sure you know what you're talking about. Uh, That's what the Pharisees do. They pull out the scriptures and they start to quote Bible verses at Jesus. They go to the rules about the Sabbath that come from the book of Exodus. And have a listen. This is what it says in Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for the Lord your God. You shall do no work that day, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servants, men or women, nor your animals, nor the stranger who lives with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that these hold, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it sacred. Case closed, Jesus. Look at this, your disciples are going around picking corn in clear violation of the Sabbath. That's against the rules. And, you know, God rested. You're supposed to rest. Your disciples are supposed to rest. And even your animals are supposed to rest. Now, I'm sorry. Quoting scripture to Jesus is like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You ain't going to win that one. Jesus then proceeds to cite three different sections of scripture that don't challenge the principle of the Sabbath, but which show where the circumstances have changed the way that the law gets lived out. And the first one uh, comes from the first book of Samuel, where King David, he needs to feed a group of his soldiers. um, And so not having any food, he does something which is forbidden by the law. He gives them bread, which has been consecrated to, to the Lord. He asks priests to give his soldiers bread from the sacred place. 
So Jesus kind of turns to the Pharisees and says, um, so guys, <laughs> tell me about the ways in which you've criticized David about that one. And then Jesus brings up another instance. He goes, look, what about the Sabbath? God actually commands a sacrifice to be made on the Sabbath. Right? The book of Numbers, it says this. On the Sabbath day, you must offer two yearling lambs without blemish and two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as an oblation mixed with oil, as well as the accompanying libation. The Sabbath holocaust is to be offered every Sabbath in addition to the perpetual holocaust and the accompanying libation similarly. So, God commands that these sacrifices be made by the priests. And doesn't that sound like work for them? Now, I've got a lot of sympathy for that because, you know, on Sundays, I always kind of quip, it's a day of rest for everyone except the priest. Mind you, we shouldn't complain. It's not like you don't get ordained realizing that you're going to work on Sundays and Christmas and Easter. But there's the point. Here's the Sabbath principle, but then a command from God, which asks the Sabbath to be lived out in a different way under these particular circumstances. And then lastly, Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea, who gives this line, what I want is mercy, not sacrifice. Now, here's why you don't take on Jesus in a battle of scriptures, because he will grind you into the ground, especially if you come with a question which is not genuine. Because what Jesus does is he actually quotes from the three major sections of scripture. The first bit, of course, is, is the law, the Torah. And so Jesus takes this instance from the book of Numbers where the command is made about the Sabbath sacrifices. The next section are the historical books. And so Jesus quotes the first book of Samuel, the instance about King David. And then the third major section is of the prophets. And then Jesus quotes Hosea. So Jesus goes through the whole gamut of scripture and goes, Okay, here's why you're wrong, and here's why you're wrong, and here's why you're wrong. Now, the thing about all of this, though, is that Jesus isn't repudiating the law of the Sabbath. He's not saying, look, these rules don't really count, and look at all the ways in which they didn't count. No, I think what Jesus is really reacting to is the kind of question that he's being posed about his disciples. Guys, what are you doing? Why are you keeping such a scrupulous eye on everyone else? There are situations where things are exceptional. There are times when something happens outside of the ordinary that maybe you don't know about or maybe you don't understand. How about a little bit of humility? How about a bit of mercy instead of sacrifice? I remember this happened years and years ago um, to one of my sisters. Um, she was having some knee problems. And so she started genuflecting on her left knee as opposed to her right knee. Uh, and someone actually came up to her in church and said, um, that's actually not the way to do it. And, you know, she said, well, I've got knee problems. And, you know, this person kind of turned around and walked off in a huff. And it's like, how about you mind your own business? <laughs> And it's not to say that, you know, there, isn't, there shouldn't be a proper way of genuflecting, but, you know, there are circumstances which mean that things are going to be a little bit different or maybe a little bit out of the ordinary. 
Now, this point does put things in a little bit of tension. Um, because I think some people kind of, they, they read this passage from Scripture and they go, oh, well, and see, that's why all rules are ridiculous. And Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, look, don't worry about the Sabbath rules. They don't really matter. But I think what he does say is, don't use the Sabbath rules as a weapon. As a way of pointing out the faults of others or a way of preening your own feathers and making yourself look good. A bit of mercy, a bit of humility and a bit of understanding. That goes a whole long way. Now, as Catholics, we like some rules. Um, We love a little bit of tradition. We love a little bit of custom. Um, But don't use these as a weapon, as a means of preening our own feathers, and as a means of dragging someone else down. This is not to say that these customs and traditions aren't important. It's great that we have clear liturgical norms, for example, because it gives order. It allows us all to do the same thing at the same time and to be united in one common act of worship. But it's not a weapon to be wielded against someone else. These very norms and customs which were there in order to bring about a common act of worship then start to cause division within the church. And don't we see plenty of that? Haven't we got enough of that? Now, I, you know, I, I've brought up the issue of liturgy, um, and, and that's only one aspect, of course, in the life of the church. There are so many. But I wonder what would have happened if the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, Look, Lord, we know that the Sabbath is really important. and We know that to keep the Lord's day holy is something that is good for us. And that it's something that God has given us. And it's a commandment that God has given us for his glory. How does the corn fit into that, Lord? I reckon if they asked a genuine question, Jesus probably wouldn't have gotten that little bit snippy with them. But they weren't interested in an answer. They were looking for the gotcha moment. And I wonder, for us, when when we see something that doesn't quite fit the ordinary pattern. Are we looking for the gotcha moment? Or do we come with a genuine question? Looking to build up rather than tear down. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, 
and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.